When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett, as ever, recording one day earlier than usual today because, uh, I apologise, but I'm going away on a short break in the next few days. Uh, But Rob, we're going to look ahead to the Brighton game on Saturday. Not a nice fixture, really, for United to have, given Brighton look half decent. And after United have been in not great form at the start of the season, uh, but the international break is over, isn't it? It is over and we're back to the Premier League and I'm kind of relieved in a way because doesn't it feel, Scott, obviously after the controversy at Manchester United since the Arsenal match and, and the way it's bubbled along, we just need some football. So yes, we've got Brighton and uh, that's a big match for Ten Hag. Yeah, Ten Hag will speak to the media. I'm, I'm sure he's going to have a, a lot of questions to answer on Friday, but we'll do our best here to talk about things before he does speak because I think a lot of the things that he will say in that press conference might direct the direction of travel uh, to be honest with a, with a few matters uh, injuries to some players, fitness of some players availability or inclusion of some players in, in the squad, i.e. Jaden Sancho we'll talk about again unfortunately, uh, we'll talk a bit of Evan Ferguson as well as United have been uh, talked up as identifying Evan Ferguson for a future transfer window. Uh, And he's relevant because he might be stepping out on the Old Trafford turf, although he was injured for Ireland over the last few fixtures. So I don't know his availability yet, but Brighton are turning up at Old Trafford as well. So we'll look ahead to that one as best we can and try and figure out what United are going to do in that game. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube, The Promise and a Manchester United podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment for us as well. Pop the notification bell on so you don't miss a show. And follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders on X, Instagram and TikTok at underscore Rob underscore B on X and YouTube and at Promise and MU on X. I've said X loads of times. That is Twitter, uh, but it's just changed its name. Now, uh, where do you want to start, Rob? You tell me, Scott, where do you want to start? Should we do Sancho again? Just to, yeah, just I think to, we might have to. Get so. there and get, get past Sancho. Apologies when did he take that viewers. post down? We, he took that post down after we recorded last, right? He did, yes. And yeah. during that show, again, I tried to explain about why maybe the post was still there, what Manchester United were trying to do, what the outcome would be. And I think we all, all agreed, didn't we, both of us here, that, that the post would eventually be taken down. And because we do know that Jaden has been in New York City away on a short bl- a short break, 
I'm sure he's not actually invested himself in the Twitter world and the storm that's going on. Uh, and he might not have thought, oh, maybe I need to take that tweet down. But that has now been communicated to him. And uh, the tweet has gone. Um, it's the only outcome, really, wasn't it? I don't think when... Like, he owns his image right, Scott. But he doesn't get carte blanche from what he does. So I'm sure that uh, it was made in known certain circumstances that that tweet had to go. And the tweet has now disappeared. And that's good because it means you can move on to the next step of process. But are United moving on to the next step of the process? Uh, suggestions from on Thursday evening. No, Wednesday evening. Sorry, I'm getting my days mixed up because we usually record on Fridays. Uh, that John Murta and Richard Arnold are at the centre of talks between Ten Hag and Sancho as the dispute is continuing. Uh, so, obviously, I think everybody knows what's happened here. I'm guessing, <laughs> I'm guessing you have. It's all anybody's really been talking about over the last few days. Uh, but Sancho not in the squad to face Arsenal. And I think we might understand a lot about how this is going to play out in the long term if Sancho is featuring in the squad and like what kind of level of involvement he has in that game might indicate to us how buried this issue is if Ten Hag doesn't say anything publicly. Yeah, I, I get the feeling that, yeah, you know, we're obviously going out before the presser tomorrow uh, for the game for Ten Hag going ahead of Brighton. And I think he's going to play this exactly how he plays everything. And that is with a straight bat. That's what he does. And he, I think he's just going to say, it's my prerogative to pick players. And that's my job. That's what I'll do. And I think that's all you're going to get. But what do we know behind the scenes? Like, you're right. Manchester United, is, again, as a, as a body, as a business, are trying to broker some talks there to make sure that everyone is kind of happy and that they can move forward. But I don't think here, Scott, that there's any real power dynamic issue. Like the power lies with Eric Ten Hag. He is the manager. He is backed by the board. No one player, even when we went back to Ronaldo not so long ago, is going to have more power than the manager when it comes to selection and what happens at a training ground. So um, we're aware that Jaden Sancho is camp not particularly happy that his name was banded about at the end of the transfer window. Um, again, promised all sorts of things by Manchester United over the last year or two, Scott, in terms of like wearing the number seven shirt, being a big star at Man United. But yes, you've got to go prove it on a football pitch first, haven't you? That's really what it comes down to. Other things as well involving mental health, timekeeping, all sorts of things behind the scenes that maybe people think are not, not important, but really are when you're a manager of a football club. And Jaden Sancho has got stuff to prove now, hasn't he? And I think he knows that. I don't think he's stupid. I just don't think he likes maybe the way that some of the information has unfolded out in the press to particularly demonise the individual. But he has to go and play well on a football pitch. It's kind of as basic as that's got, and that's really the cure here. Otherwise, you will be leaving the football club. Will he get on the football pitch is the, is the actual question at the moment. Not immediately, no. no, no not immediately. But again, when we've talked about players on the, on the peripheral at Man United or players that have been potentially banded to leave. Let's say, let's talk about Harry Maguire in that context. Harry Maguire's been at the England camp, um, been um, strongly defended by his manager there for England because he obviously wants to get a performance out of Maguire, wants his support. We all agree Harry Maguire probably shouldn't be in the England team. But guess what? Now you've got injuries at centre-back. Guess what might happen for Eric Ten Hag and Man United? So you don't really have a choice. You have to play certain players. If tomorrow... 
fingers crossed it doesn't happen, you lost Marcus Rashford and Garnacho to injury, you might well be considering starting Jadon Sancho again. That's just reality of football. I don't think Eric Ten Hag is the kind of manager, Scott, that will cut his nose off to bite, to, you know, to spite his face to say, well, I've got this player, I'm not going to use him. I think what's more important in this moment is that you get Jaden to training, you find a method that motivates him, and you find a way to get form out of him. And that is it. There is no transfer window open to sell players. You know, Isn't that was- what Ten Hag has been trying to do for the last 15 months? I think, I think Ten Hag has been trying to do that with a whole clutch of players, Scott, that's still at the club. So whose fault is that? It's not Eric Ten Hag's fault, is it? You know, like, again, we can have the conversation today about someone like Scott McTominay doing really well at international level, a player who has got a market for him, plays that, you know, he was wanted by clubs and he might even start or, or feature against Brighton, as we're going to speak about today. Does Eric Ten Hag want that player? No, he basically said he could go. So I think there are players like that and that does create a certain count, amount of short-term disharmony but again, I think the manager's got that right. I really do. I think he is the person responsible for all of that. And, you know, you look at, uh, at players that are not wanted. The only thing you can say to them, Scott, is to leave the door ajar a little bit and say, well, Aaron Wambasaka, I don't want you either. But if you play well for me, you'll get picked. And if you play really well, maybe I'll keep you. Maybe then I'll change my mind. Maybe then I'll give you a new contract. Guess what happened with Aaron Wambasaka, Scott? So that's as basic as that. And I think with Jaden, he's a bigger name, but there's, there's, it's not going to get any privilege for that. And he shouldn't do, you know, in the same way that Marcus shouldn't do. Marcus found out when he was late for a training session or for a meeting, they got punished. And that's the right way to do it. Be consistent with everyone in that in that kind of tone. So we'll see with Jaden. He will get chances, Scott, just because of injuries at some point. Or if he does train better and if he does show a different kind of attitude, I've got no doubt that Eric Ten Hag is the kind of manager that will say, right, I'll give you a chance because we've seen it. Well, I think that's the important thing. He needs to show that he is doing what the manager yeah. wants from him. Uh, and I, you said there, I mean, he will get his chances. Mm. Eric Ten Hag has made one of the big things he's talked about is discipline, principles and, and all of this and basics and having yeah. to do all of those things since his arrival and United need that. They need standards. If you don't Definitely. meet those standards, you don't get in the team. Simple as that, really. Let's do another comparison. We talked about Pep in the past. Pep and Concello. Concello, probably City's best player over a period of time, did really well for City. Nose got knocked out of joint, fell out with the manager. Guess what happened? That's it. Goodbye, Concello. You're off. So that is really, I think that's how football clubs generally work with good management. I actually believe in Ten Hag. The people I don't believe in, Scott, are the people above Ten Hag. That's the people I would criticise here, is that, you know, the chief exec and uh, your director of football need to have maybe some more groundswell influence there to be able to support the manager. And yeah, like you just said there, they've, Ten Hag went to the, the board and said, I don't want these players to get rid of them for me, cleared them out. We'll buy some new ones. And they went, OK, Eric. And they didn't. That's not on Ten Hag. That's on the board. That's not even on the players. I don't blame the players for, for that. Like, you know, they can only do what they can do. But yeah, Jaden, yeah, he needs to get to a training ground. He needs to show the, the manager that he can be a valid part of the squad and I always think with football we see it so often that that, that things do change in a blink of an eye with a goal or an assist or just a one good performance suddenly people are smiling again Scott so Jaden said in that tweet he wants to play football with a smile on his face well do you know what Jaden go do it 
Get a smile on your face. Listen to your manager. Do what you got to do. Get on a football pitch. And for 90 minutes, prove it. But during the week, you got to prove it as well when you're up against your other competition. Uh, an ex-pro once said to me, your biggest competition each week is not the team you face on a Saturday. It is the guy who plays your position in training. And that's the truth. And Jaden maybe needs to hold on to that a little bit more because he's third choice on the left, isn't he? At at the worst. Um, but he's not going to get in the team unless he shows a better attitude and shows that he can score goals, get assists for Man United. Yeah, I think that's it, really. So we'll see what Ericton Hogg says in his uh, post-match presser ahead of the Brighton game, which is on Friday, over 24 mm-hmm. hours since we record this, uh, or from when we record this. But let us know if you think Sancho should be put back in the team, if anything needs to change in the comment section on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed on YouTube already, listening on audio, please do. Or if you haven't subscribed on audio, please do. And you're watching on YouTube, please do that. But um, yeah, I, I, this one is not fixed yet. And to me, I think it's just about Eric Ten Hag expects standards to be met. And if you're not meeting them, you know. So I think something has to change on Jaden's side personally. Um, so we will wait and see to see if some resolution is found. It's apparently not yet. Anyway, uh, let's look ahead to Saturday's game. Brighton, I know you want to talk about Evan Ferguson. He's doubtful uh, for the game because he was forced to withdraw from the Ireland squad over the recent international break. And a sore knee is what he's had. They have other options, Brighton, in that department. Not to say Ferguson couldn't, he might feature. Maybe he just needed those extra few days. But uh, would you like to see him eventually in a Man United shirt? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because again, young player, a lot of hype. Do you need him? Can you develop him? Do you go get him before his transfer value spirals? Well, his transfer value is always spirals. So that has gone. Exactly. So when you maybe had the opportunity when he was a less of a, of a, entity in terms of people's minds in football you had a, an opportunity maybe to go do that that's not really the case I think he's going to have quite a big season isn't he um will he feature won't he feature we don't know like you said he did get that knock. I think the Telegraph have gone the fact that, that they believe that he is available so he he will he, he he I think he'll potentially feature he might be on the bench who knows we'll see but I do think that again with player profile I think maybe this is where we're some of this is a stab in the dark, you know, same with Hoyland, is that you are looking at towards potential. How do you build your football club in the years ahead? And how do you look long-term, even beyond Eric Ten Hag? Like, you know, Eric Ten Hag doesn't do well, Scott. Guess what happens? You'll get sacked. It's just the truth. So do, can you bring a set of players in that that really want to kind of die for the badge? Well, we know that Hoyland's a big Man United fan. And guess what? We know Evan Ferguson absolutely loves Man United and is a big Man United fan. So there is that side of it. I think the bigger thing is, is he the right profile of player that you should go for? And that's the discussion. Man United could go to the Osman market or go down that route, but it does seem that Man United don't have any money. Like we we see that, that, that that's not there, but we still don't know what is going on with the ownership. Now, we do feel that maybe the Glazers are going to stick around a lot longer than people are comfortable with. Um, does it mean May United will still buy players? Well, yes, they will. But I think, again, when you look at the players that they have been signing, there is this imbalance, isn't there, between maybe some of the quality and some of the, the money that, that you're actually outlaying. 
Do you go for a player like Evan Ferguson at this moment, Scott? Is he the kind of player that maybe you move for in January or even in the summer? And do you go for a player like that? What do you actually think? It's really hard. I think it's really dependent on how well Hoyland does this year. Because obviously, mm. I think Hoyland's slightly older than Ferguson is, but he's yeah. obviously... They're in the same... Like uh, We reported on a 90 min over the summer that United did want two strikers. And Evan Ferguson and Rasmus Hoyland were in a list of young development options. And they also wanted a player like Harry Kane or Osman who was ready. And Hoyland would be the kind of supplementary option you could learn from the senior option. Yeah. Uh, Harry Kane is gone. Osman maybe signs a new contract with Napoli and has a release clause in his deal by next summer. And he is more affordable than he was this year. We'll wait and see. Uh, but yeah, Hoyland is... Well, we've only seen 20-odd minutes of him in the United ship. I think people are optimistic that he might uh, be able to start hitting the ground running and start scoring some goals and offer something different in that department. But United do need... They, they do need another striker. Um, Anthony Martial, I think he this has to be his last season, surely. Has to be his last season. He's out of contract at the end of, the sum, at the end of this season with an option to extend, I believe. But... It really depends on how well Hoyland does, because if he scores 20 goals this season, are United going to want to sign another player of the same age for 100 million plus in Evan Ferguson mm-hmm. and dovetail them? Because theoretically, if you've got a striker who can get that many goals, do you need another massively expensive player in that position or can you put it off and wait? Yeah, totally. Or can you play a different system where you can com- can accommodate more goal scorers? So uh, I think... Like again, I think we've moved away, haven't we? Because of stuff that's going on at Man United and the way things have been, we kind of do forget that Man United do need two strikers. Like it, it, It's so far down the priority list, even when we chat about things and we plan shows and we talk about what's happening in the moment at Man United. You just kind of forget, don't you? You go, <laughs> you don't talk about, do United need a second striker? Well, they need a first striker, first of all, don't they? That's what they really need. So they've now got that. I think that, you know, there's no doubt Hoyland, I think, is going to be given that opportunity to, to play games, score goals and be the guy. But it does not mean that Man United can just close that market off. Now, if you do what Man City have done, you went and got your primary player in, in Haaland. And what did you do? You supplemented him with an Alvarez. That's the right way to do it when you're healthy and clean and everything is good. And Manchester United are none of those things. So I still think that you need players that take you into the future, primary players, players who could be superstars. You know, you find them early and you make them superstars. Whatever he does at Brighton this year, Scott, whether it's impressive or not, this is a player that only will become a superstar at a big club. It's just the truth. Like, even if Brighton do well and, say, hover around the top four or show great form this year, which they might well do, I'm a, I'm a big advocate and admirer of Brighton, you only can go so far. You have to then make the leap. So where do you go after that? This, a lot of the top clubs have got their strikers in place. You might find there isn't a home for uh, an Evan Ferguson, but could you do that? Man United have a young striker, bring him in and work him into the team. You said dovetailing. I don't know if it's even as, as basic as that. It's just about like finding the system that works around it. Or are you just going to stick with 4-2-3-1 forever with one striker? And then you are probably stuck with a Martial because it's just supplementation from the bench, isn't it? So I would like to see... Evan Ferguson at Man United. It's going to cost you money. It's just there's no doubt about it. He's already at that level. He scored a hat-trick the other weekend. And people were like, oh, this guy, let's see him. Well, we know what he is. He, he's got a great rounded game. There's bits of Rooney about him. He's a bit of a leader. He's a bit of a bull in a china shop when he needs to be. But you know what? He's technically 
very well versed. He gets the game up here. And it's kind of perfect for Brighton. Like it's scary because Brighton could do with a striker, I think, from last season and the season before. He's the guy. They've profiled him really well. And I think he's going to do really well for Brighton this year. And I really hope he's injured for Saturday. Don't wish bad on <laughs> you know what I mean. Don't wish poor... I really hope he's injured the yeah. Saturday. I don't want to see him. I don't want to get to Old Trafford Scott, get the team sheet and go, oh God, we have to deal with this today. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, I always say that we always go, Oh, I want to watch good players. I do, I definitely want to see good players, but I don't want to watch players that can, you know, put a dagger in your heart, especially when you're already down over someone's tweets over a week. <laughs> do you get what I mean? So Evan Ferguson, definitely, I, I think, whether he comes to Man United or not, he is going to be a top striker, I really do. I, th- I can see him going the Bellingham route. Like when Bellingham came to us and we could have had him for 19 million and everyone, no, 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 don't get Bellingham for Ole because he'll sit on the bench and all that. United shouldn't spend that money. Well, two years later, Bellingham is rocking it in Madrid and showing everyone how good he is. I'm not saying Evan Ferguson will be exactly that, but I wouldn't be surprised in two, three years' time that Evan Ferguson is one of the best strikers in the world. And we're going, oh, he's, he loved United. You could have got him, <laughs> even if it was 50 has, million. Has that already passed like that? Yeah, because... That not... the... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, has that moment already passed? Because he's, he signed a new contract with Brighton early in the summer, yeah. which effectively ruled him out of moving from Brighton. Yeah. Uh, and... They just sold Moises Caicedo for 115 million. Evan Ferguson is a striker. If he starts scoring goals in the Premier League at, as a teenager, he's going to cost 150 million quid. And that is the problem because time is already not on your side. You didn't go do that deal. You didn't think about doing that deal. But I, I also will stand by the fact that I think in the very, very near future, 100 million for a player will be nothing. That's just the way we're going. We're going that route where 100 million is going to be your standard 50 million. That's just what it isn't now. It's Football's gone mad and it's controlled by the people upstairs in terms of the money, in terms of sponsorship, in terms of television. And that means that, yeah, someone like Casado ends up going for it in excess of, of 100 million. As we said at Chelsea, if he say doesn't say he struggles, Scott, in the next few weeks, people straight away will be on that and say, this guy's got this big valuation that he came to the football club with. That's a problem. But... Again, if you're looking at strikers, Scott, you're either going to go bargain basement and look for players in that 10, 15, 20 million to supplement from the bench. And then guess what? If Hoyland gets injured, you're playing a player that's just not probably up to standard, not good enough for you. Um, you might have to pay a lot of money for, for Evan Ferguson. But I actually, I look at him and it is very Rooney-ish. Like when we bought Rooney, that was for 30-odd million. And in those days, 30 million was like loads of money. Like crazy money for a teenager like what are United doing for 30 35 million this is mad and it was all because Newcastle triggered that because they'd put a bid in that Everton had accepted here we are all these years later I kind of see the parallels is that yeah you might have to pay something like 100 million maybe get away with 80 90 I don't know what well, can you I negotiate that's happening I've well, can you get a play to fight his way out of a club? Because again, Casado, I think, had, had considered de- defeat and was going to stay at Brighton. And then Chelsea had to put that huge bid in to kind of broker it. If Casado had his way six months before Scott, he'd have been at Arsenal. So, you know, if you can't force your way out for whatever reason because of contracts, that's where you are. We don't know if there's any break clause in uh, Ferguson's deal. We just don't know that. We don't know if there's anything in there contractually that would allow him to go negotiate elsewhere at a certain value. But you're right, 100 million is going to be the, it's like the going rate now, isn't it? And I think in the next few transfer windows, people are going to be 
shocked. Do you remember when Neymar went for 200 million? Yeah. It's going to be nothing anymore in the future. People are going to pay that price because especially now with the Saudi money in football, we're going to see that this explosion in valuations. And, and I don't think you can get away from that. You, you're not going to be able to play the game at the 20 million market. Like it's, you know, championship manager from 2006. Like it's those days have gone and you're going to have to keep up with the Joneses by paying the top wages and the top fees. May like tend to do that anyway with players that they really want, but it's difficult, isn't it, when you've actually got no money and you're having to broker stuff in a different way. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe Ever Ferguson plays at Old Trafford this weekend. We will see. Rob does not want him to. Uh, even I really hope not. You'll be just, there, right? Will you be there? Yeah, I'll be it? there. I'll be there. And it'll probably be Danny Welbeck starting and Danny Welbeck will score in front of Stratford and we'll go... Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to be a downer on it, but I really do rate Brighton. Like, I really... I think we've had this conversation. You're not a big fan of Brighton, are you? Or you weren't a big fan of Brighton? I, a little bit. I like Brighton. I just... I, I see shouts like... And I, I rate Roberto De Zerbi as a manager, but I see... I saw Jamie Redknapp go on Sky... Mm. I think it was before the West Ham game, which they lost at home, saying, oh, Deserby could be one of the best managers of all time. And I was like, hold your horses a little bit. Like, I've copped a lot of flack for this, actually. But Brighton are so well run mm. and have things planned from the very top perfectly. They have this scouting network absolutely nailed on. I've had it nailed on for a number of years now, and they're starting to reap the benefits of it. So any manager going into Brighton has the perfect conditions to succeed. They don't have any expectation on them. So it's easier to succeed in relevance to what Brighton's expectations are. So I think I, I really like Brighton. I really rate them. I think they're, they're a breath of fresh air, this kind of thing. But mm. when it's, it's easier, is all I'll say, it's easier for a manager to go in there and succeed. 100%. Totally. And and that's why, you know, like Brighton are, like, again, we view Brighton as little Brighton, don't we, on the South Coast, who've come up and done well and have come from the fourth division, fourth tier, and have worked their way up there. And they've done all of that, and they absolutely deserve all the credit in the world. Um, but Brighton are quite heavily well-backed, have a very strong ownership structure, and they've pumped a lot of money into it behind the scenes, like you said there. Their director of football and their view of of squad building, I think, is more modern, kind of closer aligned to your man's... how you should do it if you're a club at Brighton size. And it's ironic, isn't it, that when you compare Brighton and, say, Manchester United, Manchester United are like your dusty old statue in the middle of of an old-school square where, where you were once, you know, the most impressive thing there and you're not really anymore and you have to fight towards that and build towards a new structure, something cleaner and better, as I described it earlier. You look at Brighton, they are definitely the poster boys of all of that. And I think, you know, when they're selling all these players at an incredible value, like I think they've sold something like £450 million worth of players in 12 months or something like that. That's astonishing. But yes, you tell about the Deserby part of it. It's a little bit like Bielsa at Leeds, is that when Bielsa was at Leeds and flavour of the month, Bielsa was the best manager in the world. That, according to more pre- for me, there's more pressure at Leeds than Brighton. Absolutely. Leeds are a bigger right. club. Definitely. Yeah. Leeds are a bigger club and the expectations are bigger and the pitfalls are bigger at Leeds than they are at Brighton. So if Brighton say it all went wrong tomorrow, Brighton would still have a ton of players that they could sell, which they would do, and they'd reinvest it into their squad. And Brighton are now no longer that team that you look at and go, hmm, like Wolves, you might be in the bottom five at some point and you might go down. You now look at Brighton as, as an aspiring club in the same way you might do with Brentford. You know, you look at Brentford and Brentford are a well-run machine. 
They have a, a manager that everyone kind of likes. They play a style of football that's quite entertaining. And they've worked through the levels to be where they are. They deserve to be where they are. Brighton, I think, are a very dangerous opponent for Man United in this moment because Brighton are have got some swagger and they've got some players who are really showing what they can do. But this is going to be difficult for Ten Hag. This is why I don't think Ten Hag in his presser is going to go really heavy on the whole Jaden thing because he's got bigger problems <laughs> and his bigger problem is Deserby. And, and I do like Deserby ball, as they call it now. I, I really like the way he sets up. It is a... It's a brave style of football and it's probably the most entertaining in Europe in isolation. Like you watch them and you go, yeah, it's a team that wants to attack and wants to be aggressive and wants to threaten teams and show them that they're better than them. Don't think Man United are that kind of team at the moment. I really don't. I think still trying to work through an identity crisis, but a little bit, little bit wary of what could happen on Saturday because I think United need to be not foolish, Scott, like, don't go there and say, well, we're Man United and you're nobody. Because I think if you do that, you might get punished for that. And if you think too much about whether Jaden Sancho should start or shouldn't start or should be at training or shouldn't be at training, it's very easy to just let someone like Matoma then just dance all over you. And suddenly the, the headlines are written for you on Sunday morning already. Yeah, that's the thing with Brighton. I mean, I, I, I use this example as well of, you know how much the pressure is off because they can afford to pluck a player like Mitoma yeah. through their scouting network out of no, out of nowhere, really. Yeah. You know, and they can afford to get, take a chance on Moises Caicedo for 4 million and put him in the first team because there's not a lot of pressure on you. I, I personally would like United to do more of that personally, but yeah. United probably think within their sphere that, it's too much pressure for these kinds of players who are just, they could really, really fail. But Brighton create these conditions for these players to, because, because of the lack of pressure, because of the lack of expectation, they create the conditions for these players to go out there and express themselves and succeed. And that allows them to play with, you know, a freedom. Yeah. And if they lose and believe me, they have taken some smash-ins. They, they, they've, been, they've lost heavily a number of times. West Ham did an absolute number on them earlier this season. Nobody said yeah. anything. Nobody said anything. Yeah, everyone went, People oh, forget. that's all right. Yeah, that's okay. I remember you, you spoke about it and you were like, oh, look, Brighton got done. Then the next week, Brighton played well again. But you're right. There's absolutely no pressure. You know, not, not no pressure to win games, but no pressure if it goes wrong one week. Like, that's totally different to someone like Man United. The Casado thing, I think, is a really, really good example. Four million pounds on the market. Manchester United inquired, decided that he wasn't ready, wasn't the right profile. And kind of, I said at the time, I said, you know, go buy Casado because for four million quid, like, what, what, what can you get? For totally, I agree. You, I agree you, you know, yeah. you literally wouldn't, you couldn't mend the roof at Old Trafford for four million quid. So, like, you know, you're going to go get a player who that you can develop. And I'm all about, you know, youth and developing it if you can do it. And I think when you look at Casado, the fact that he did so well at Brighton was again more about Brighton's robust system rather than just the player in isolation. Like, had Casado come to Man United, would he have got those opportunities? No chance. Just mentioned Jude it's Bellingham. Like Bellingham thing, yeah. Exactly. 19 million up at Carrington twice. United saying, we want you. Everyone at Birmingham telling Man United in terms of the scouting side, go buy this player. Like, he is amazing. And United yeah. could have done it and they couldn't get their heads around it. The only team that could were Dortmund because Dortmund said to him, come to us, we'll put you in our first team. Dortmund as well, really good example of a team that doesn't that has a pressure, but because Bayern Munich like do everything yeah. in the Bundesliga, 
then if you come second one year, everyone goes, oh, well, you're second anyway. If you come sixth one year, people go, oh, that's a bit bad. Sack your manager, we'll get another one. But it's not the same, is it? The Jaden Sancho thing again with Man United. You know, Jaden Sancho's tweet will generate more aggravation and press column inches than a bad performance by Brighton. And that's the universe we live in. And that is kind of like Brighton will come to Man United on Saturday, just a bit fresh after international break. They'll have worked on what they work on and they'll come and play their game. And they have that freedom of expression, Scott, that maybe Man United don't have. And again, I think fans want United to be like that. But my God, it's a long journey. It's a really long journey to get to where you can play with that kind of freedom when you know that if you mislay a pass, there's going to be a billion tweets about it. And people will be saying you're a bad person and we hate you. And that just doesn't happen at Brighton. Everyone loves Brighton. I love Brighton. Like, I really do. Like If they weren't playing my team on Saturday, I'd be like, yeah, I'd quite like to see Brighton in the flesh at the moment because I really do appreciate that style of football and I like what they do and I like how they move through the gears. It's, it's exciting to watch. It won't be exciting to watch as a United fan at Old Trafford as they hit you on the counter or they, they counter press you and maybe you've got Harry Maguire starting because Martinez may be injured. You know, there, there's all these other factors, isn't there? But um, but yeah, I, 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 I like Brighton and I like Ferguson and I do think that eventually he might be the kind of player, Scott, going back to that. That is the kind of play that you want, you know, in terms of taking your long-term project forward. That's definitely the sign. And if, if Alex Ferguson was still here, he's definitely the kind of player that United would just sweep up with all that they could. They'd have bought him already. Yeah, they already would have been done this summer. Yeah. They would have got when, even with that contract being signed. They'd have gone. Who cares about contracts? Like we'll, we'll just buy it out because that's what that's what again what big clubs generally do you don't get a contract that stops you doing it you, you just go do it but I think again we know there's other things going on at Man United that are that do stop a lot of that stuff Evan Ferguson likes and supports Man United maybe he will not want to score against them that's yeah maybe 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 <laughs> exactly maybe he'll he'll have a tap in and he'll go Oh, oh no! I, I remember. I, no, I that, remember that's I getting did, into some kind of that, dark that realm Keen that we should shirt, not be discussing. Yeah, that Roy Keane <laughs> shirt that I had and all of that, and you know, I, I, I just can't possibly, you know, put the knife in a Man United when they've had such a bad week about Jaden Sancho's tweet. <laughs> so yeah, but I, I actually think we might see him. I think he might be on the bench, and I think he, he has that knock. And I think Welbeck will probably start. But again, twenty minutes of Ferguson might be frightening, isn't it? At the end of the game. How do they beat them then? Because what Brighton, they do give up chances. They Mm. do give up space if you can crack them. West Ham did it beautifully a few weeks ago. Um, And I think they had like 20% possession. Mm. (laughs) I don't think Old Trafford would tolerate that as much as that might be the best way to beat them. Uh, We have seen that before Old Trafford. (laughs) Well, that's true. (laughs) 20%. How do they beat them then? Who... Is there any particular players that are key to to winning this? Look, it's the it's the obvious protagonist, isn't it? You know, we talk about them every week, but I do think that you're now having to find a way to enable Hoyland. You, you have to start finding doing start doing things in games that to us look visually that you're now going to play through a nine. Let's um, my- just on that. So Hoyland obviously got 20 minutes at Arsenal, 25 minutes at Arsenal. Yeah. He then had two sub appearances. I think he had 45 minutes for Denmark in the most yeah. recent fixture they played. Yeah. Do you think he starts? Yes. Yes, I think he starts. And I, I think he starts unless Martial has trained really well in the last seven days 
<laughs> Scott's putting his, thing, his thumbs up there as soon as I mentioned the M word there, Martial. So that's for people here who are not watching on YouTube and are just listening on audio. Um, yeah, look, we don't want to see Martial start, do we? But it, it is a, it's an option because the manager feels that Martial can still give him credible minutes. So you might see Martial for, say, 60 minutes and see Hoyland off the bench. But I think, Scott, we'll see the flip. I think we'll see 60 minutes for Hoyland and Martial filling in the second half minutes because I think that's more of where you're going. Like, with what you've got now and for the rest of the season, you're going to have to find a way where Hoyland plays 70% of the, of the minutes and Martial plays 30 or less. And I think Hoyland's hungry. So, like you said, I think it's quite good that he actually went on the international um, yeah, uh, on totally. duty. Because yeah. I think again, he needed it shows, the minutes. He needs the minutes. He needs the training. It will be more intensive training in the internationals because that's kind of the way it goes to get ready for the matches. Um, and also, good break to be away from Man United. He's been doing this for a few weeks now. You know, he's been at Carrington's getting his core fitness up. And I think he's kind of ready to start. I think we saw that at Arsenal is that he doesn't look miles off. It wasn't in that 30 minutes, he wasn't huffing and chugging and like, oh, you know, not, not quite sure what I'm doing here. He looked quite motivated, understood the tactics. He's going to do the work there. And if you're playing someone like Brighton, Scott, you need a little bit of an X factor. You need to make Brighton think, oh, this is not the easiest day at the office. There's a guy here that we're not quite prepared for. So I think United will go for that in terms of the front line. Obviously, we know there'll be no Anthony now. So what do you do with that? I think that's a bigger side. How do you service Hoyland? I think we'll see Bruno there on the right. Don't hate me, people, do you, for do saying you think, that. Do you think that we will this time, just because of the injuries? Or Amrabat's obviously not played much football, so you don't really expect him to start straight away, or do we? Right. Like, how many, if you, if you take Bruno out of that midfield three, you have Ericsson in there, you have Casemiro, plus who? Question yeah. for you. Yeah, sorry. I, 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 you, went, you went blank there in my ear. Oh, um, did I? Okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Plus uh, who? If Bruno plays right, um, who who fits in that midfield? I, I think the thing is, it's who fits that midfield is whoever you've kind of got <laughs> for Man United at the moment. But tactically speaking, I think if you've got Hoyland up top, which let's say we assume that, is he needs service. So messing around with your other positions, like say maybe Rashford right, gone actual left which I think we'll see a lot of in the weeks ahead if Anthony is still absent I think in this game Bruno showed especially for internationals here that, that he's quite adept on the right and he can serve as a striker so then you say well what do you do in the midfield so yes I think it would be unwise to start Amrabat when he's had an injury but what we are hearing on the grapevine is that he might actually be ready to start so he's come back to United they've assessed him and there's confidence that he might be able to play minutes or at least make his debut in some capacity. So, Scott, as you build week by week by week, that is your solution. That's how you probably do that in terms of mixing and matching because it's going to be Casemiro and Amrabat holding the fort, isn't it, while you try and sort out all the forward positions? Will he? Will they do it against Brighton? I'm not sure because I think if Amrabat's not up to speed and he goes against Brighton's quick defence he might look really bad on the day he might really struggle against that transition in the Premier League he's never played Premier League football like it's it's always a shock to the system and what would be the worst thing that could happen there Scott is that you throw him in for 90 minutes and he gets destroyed and if that happens guess what happens you know we all write about it don't we <laughs> so that's the way it goes so I think that Ten Hag will be a little bit more cautious I don't know I don't think Amrabat will start but I don't think that means that Bruno doesn't play on the right Let's talk about Scott McTominay. Let's 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 just interject this because he's on form. Do you think Scott 
that Scott McTominay should start against Brighton or at least feature? Well, it's not impossible, is it? No. I mean, it, it really depends on the fitness of other players. But I do think that if Amrabat isn't ready to start, you could probably use Scott McTominay's energy in this game. You really could for me. If you're going to go 4-1-4-1, which United like to do at home quite often when they morph into that shape, I would not be surprised to see Scott McTominay as one of the eights. Just would not be surprised. Because if you're going to play further up the pitch in transition, you're going to go up that way. McTominay can kind of do that. What McTominay is not good at is playing any kind of double pivot in this system. He's not a number six. He's not going to look after... He's not going to look after Casemiro in a way that maybe Casemiro needs that help. Or <laughs> I think he tries, but I just don't think he's got the technicality. But he's playing well for Scotland. And there is a groundswell, as United fans are saying. Why can you not fit this player in? I think there is a chance that he might get a go if Amrabat is not quite ready. Or or say you need to use Bruno in a different position. Do you use Scott McTominay behind a striker, not as a traditional number 10, but someone who in the maybe 4-4-2 shape, can support a striker and get in the box. That's what Scott McTominay is. You said it so many times. Scott McTominay has been misprofiled so many times by, I think, United fans as, as much as anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's showing it in Scotland. Was it, was it six goals out of seven from Something that like position? That. So yeah. it is different in national football. Like, I'm not going to compare the two. But he, he shows he can play the position. That's my point. It's just that you have to make all the other bits work. Rashford on the left for me, I think, is just a no-brainer. Is that if you can start with Rashford on the left, then you have to just decide what you do on the right. And then the rest of it is like a little bit like stickle bricks. Like you're trying to make it all come together as a formation, as a system. Um, And yeah, I'm sorry, people. I think Bruno will be the guy that ends up wide because he's the one who can create from that position. Um, Mason Mount, we've still not heard much of, have we? I don't actually believe he's back in training from what we've heard. I think... Last thing I saw, really, and this might be the this might be wrong, but he was targeting the buying game mm. to to return to the squad. So, so I, I don't know, may, maybe, maybe not far. So not far, but again, it would be a leap of faith to say to start him in anything in the next one or two games, wouldn't it? It's just work him back slowly. But then Mason Mount, I think, is a big part of this long term about how do you unlock Hoyland? How do you get him to to get opportunities? Because that's going to be the big thing now, Scott. Right? As bad as some of Man United's play has been. If you can flick the switch here and get number nine and with number nine service and say he scores, I don't know, say next 10 games, he scores you four goals. Not a lot, three, four goals. It is a blueprint to build on for the rest of the season is that you now got a striker that can do striker things. And United just not had that for forever because Martial is a hybrid striker. He's not a real out and out nine. He just can play the system in a 4-3-3. Three, three. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a, there's, it's, it's a lot of questions. Not many answers, and Brighton is a really bad team to experiment against because they will completely rip through you. I'm a little bit more worried, Scott. I think about Man United's defence against um, against Brighton than I even was, say, at Arsenal because I think at Arsenal you can mitigate stuff and sit deeper. As you said, at home there will be this expectation to attack. Yeah, let us know. Do you think United will manage to take the points in this one? It's a a difficult one, but United do have some games coming up, which you'd expect really United to start getting back on track in the in the league at least. I know they have they have Bayern Munich away in midweek next week, but then I think the run of games is. I looked at it recently, and it's like you you got to be taking ten. 12 points out of these next coming up games but anyway uh we'll see how it goes brighton play united on saturday 
and uh, Rob will be there. I will be away, but we'll be back next week. Maybe our days will be a little bit mixed up as I'm away, and I, I don't know exactly when I'll be able to record, but we'll try our best. And uh, Rob, I think that's it for us today because I've got to shoot off. Um, but subscribe wherever you get your podcast and watch us on YouTube as well. Promised Land, uh, Manchester United podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment, and hit the notification bell so you don't miss a video. And follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B on X and YouTube as well. Subscribe to Rob's channel and at Promise and MU on Twitter or X as well. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, everyone, for listening and or watching. We'll see you soon, everyone. Let's hope you get three points, even though they'll be pretty difficult to come by, you'd imagine. See you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Goodbye. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.